This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Thursday Night Podcast, coming a day early this week. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. This week, we're going to bite the bullet and talk about the Panthers' 42-41 loss to Charlotte and try and sort out where things can go from here after an 0-3 start. There's also the small matter of a quick turnaround to open Sunbelt play as Coastal Carolina comes to Atlanta on Thursday night. We'll preview that matchup, but first, we got to talk about the Charlotte game. Charlotte wins at 42-41, but things were looking okay for the Panthers, up 14-7 and driving, but Marquise Watt returned a strip sack of Darren Granger for a touchdown on the first play of the second quarter to swing the momentum. Shortly after, the 49ers scored another touchdown to go on top and held a one-possession lead all the way from the middle of the second quarter to late in the fourth. GSU strayed within striking distance and took back the lead on a Jamari thrashed 32-yard touchdown with 1 minute 39 seconds remaining, but the Georgia State defense couldn't come up with one last stand, and a Grant DeBose two-yard score with 17 seconds left won the game for Charlotte. In a losing effort, Darren Granger set a career high with 343 passing yards, and Thrash set a school single-game record with 213 yards receiving. So, a lot to unpack here. Gentlemen, what you got? Woof. Oh man. We we're gonna we're gonna start this talk um on the defensive side of the ball first. But I did want to say I had a sneaky suspicion that Thrash set a school record with how many receiving yards that he had. Cause I was thinking back when he like uh, by the end of the game, I was like, he's gotta be close to two hundred by now. And I don't remember too many guys who have gotten that many yards in a game. So I'm glad that he actually set the record. Yeah, and I mean, I will say this to start is that I don't think we expected anything resembling that game playing out the way it did. But we kind of laid the table for like how it could go for Charlotte, where I talked about if Reynolds was back, that would probably have an impact. I don't think we knew quite how much better they would be with him, but it turns out a good bit because that offense was pretty night and day from some of the stuff I saw in the other games this season. And we talked about the receivers that are good, and I still don't know that that necessarily should have mattered as much as it did. Um, we talked, and this is the first thing I said when we started talking about Charlotte, is like, they're coming in, they're going to be hungry, they lost here last year, they're going to want to get to 1-3 because otherwise it's 0-4 staring with the trip to South Carolina next. But it's all good because Georgia State's in the exact same spot, and it was just clear that one of the teams came out with that, and it was Charlotte, and they won the game. Uh, Georgia State found a way to work their way back in it, had a chance, took the lead late. If they just get a stop right there at the end, it's going to be like the Furman game in 2019 where we don't really talk about it anymore. It didn't need to be as close as it was, but you got out there with a win, and so you're fine with it. Instead, Charlie gets the win with the late drive to go up by one. The various Hail Mary attempts do nothing but get Jamari Thrash to that uh, school record in receiving yards. And you know, Georgia State's a no one three they couldn't be at. We talked a lot about you, the most likely outcome of the first two games, no matter how well you played, was going to be 0-2. But you still looked at the Charlotte game as, all right, you're going to get back and you know, get in the win column for 2022. Get ready for Sunbelt play with a little bit of confidence, some wind behind your sails. And it's not the case. You're 0-3. It's kind of the case where this Coastal game coming up is going to be pretty must-win just because you're going to be at four losses if you lose with eight games left you can only afford to drop two more if you're wanting to go to a bowl to say nothing whatever 
higher goals you had than that in 2022. So, yeah, I mean, we can just kind of get it started. I, I, I'm sure if you're listening to this pod, you're expecting uh, slash wanting to hear any kind of reasoning slash whatever about what happened with the defense. So it does make sense to start there. Let's get the uh, bat out of the way first. I mean, they just got their butts kicked. Like, <laughs> it. we, my thoughts have been known about this defense for the last, like, two years. I don't think I've said a bad thing about Nate Fuquay in a while because the defense has been working. The defense, the scheme has been a lot better the last couple of years. The personnel is faster. They hit harder. They're better in coverage. They're making plays on the ball, getting turnovers when they need to, getting sacks. And they just didn't do like any of that on on Saturday night. And like, yes, you know, there was the pick. Quay White got an interception. Yes, Shamar McCollum, who's had a pretty nice last couple of games, actually. He got the lone sack. But we're talking about the lone sack. You know, this is a team that led the Sun Belt in sacks. This is a team that had three sacks at South Carolina, had three sacks against UNC. You know, this is not a team whose defensive line struggles. And the defensive line struggled on Saturday. You know, this is a team that has been tenacious at forcing turnovers this year. I, I, I don't want to take away the Quay interception because he did. He uh, was in, he was covering the receiver. He was between the end zone and the receiver. He looked up and saw that Reynolds threw kind of an inside pass a little bit, kind of leading his receiver up what should have been the seam, but it was a little bit outside and the receiver thought it was kind of an out and go type route. And Quay just kind of broke off from covering the receiver back a little bit. And, you know, he had a nice interception. Like, I I don't want to take anything away from that, but that was like Reynolds one miscue on the game, which led to the turnover. You know, it wasn't the Georgia state, defense that we have seen and on top of that oh my goodness they are so 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 hurt um, they were hurt on saturday you know health is a definitely a question moving forward for the unit Rewatching the game you know i i just saw a defense that looked like the other team had a game plan um they stuck to it. They found kind of where they 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 found pressure points that they wanted to you know really poke at, and like the scheme, it was just a matter of the scheme just being really really successful. They found that you know intermediate to deep area kind of where Georgia State was a little bit open, and just they just hammered and hammered and hammered it. I think it started with a lot of the time you had Chris Reynolds just getting the ball out quick. It was very clear they didn't want to sit back and four or five seconds. And, you know, they ended up being able to do that on enough occasions that they still had some plays hit because they were able to have their pass protection hold up. But the like basis of their scheme was just not letting the pass rush get home, finding guys quickly and trusting those receivers to make plays. And, you know, it just felt like he had the OC for Charlotte had a sixth sense when every time he needed to call a slip screen, he did it. And it was perfectly called. It was perfectly timed, executed well. Running back slips right behind where the pass rushers are coming in. They don't pick it up, recognize it. And one of the touchdowns, the last touchdown before the game-winning drive was on a slip screen. There were a couple others throughout the game that just got them big gainers. Um, And, you know, I think the adjustment, if there would have been one, something like what we saw South Carolina did in the opener where you just needed to have guys – start to sit back and try and play passing lanes. Um, Didn't see that a lot, though. 
depending on whether what they were expecting from Charlotte, it's not like in halftime you can just say, hey, go do this thing you've never done before. So it might have just been a case of trying to execute what you were trying to do better than what you did in the second half. And, you know, in fairness, the defense, after making it a game that it didn't need to be and giving up a lot of yardage and a lot of points, came up with a couple of stops in the fourth quarter. The offense wasn't able to capitalize on those. Um, and then the final one, when the offense finally did take the lead, um, I guess the biggest thing, and this is just kind of the broadest takeaway, and it really showed up in this game, but it's been little stuff that's hurt them in the first two games as well, is they're just not playing winning football right now. You know, in this game, it was like they'd have one thing that they'd have go right. Um, say, you know, the offense got a touchdown to cut it to 35-33 and needed a two-point conversion. And they missed on the two-point conversion, so it stayed a Charlotte lead. It didn't really feel like at that point they got the momentum they were hoping for back on that play because it was still, you were still down. It wasn't, the comeback wasn't complete. And, you know, the defense forced to turn over on downs three times. 0-3 on fourth down. You got those turnovers and downs. The offense couldn't capitalize. And the other thing I'd just say generally about what Charlotte did is they absolutely won every single time on first and second down. And this is not, that's not how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to be the harder yards to get to where you get it, have to get it to a third manageable convert. But how it played out was that Charlotte had 26 first downs on the night. They were four of 10 on third down. And as I said, they were 0 of three on fourth down. 22 of their 26 first downs came on first or second down. And a few of those were some pretty big plays that moved chunks down the field. And, you know, I think Georgia State was better on third down in both sides of the ball. And it's been something they've had to work on, especially on offense. But you know, it was a good night defensively on third down as well. And the, all of those fourth down conversions, there was one in the first quarter that kept it 14-7. There were two more when they needed to hold the lead, uh, hold the deficit where it was in the second half that they got and gave the offense the ball in pretty good territory. And it didn't matter. They couldn't make those count. And in a one-point game, that's what matters. That, those are the plays that the sequences you have to take advantage of. And Charlotte took advantage of their situations. The strip sack got them seven points directly on that play. The interception that Georgia State threw, obviously Reynolds threw an interception right back, but the field position had kind of flipped at that point. So when Georgia State didn't make anything of the interception that Quay got, Charlotte started their next drive in Georgia State territory like they had left off before the pick. That's when they got their touchdown and took the lead. Charlotte was able to take advantage. They were the hungry team, and they were the one who were 20-point underdogs. So when they're in the game in the second half, they were in it. Like They were feeling it. They knew this was a time they could get in there. It's just not the formula for what Georgia State needed to do is a loss they couldn't take. It sucks because the underlying performance of the defense this year has been, yeah, like you could definitely see that this is a good unit. And you're right, like Charlotte did a really good job of avoiding third down. But at the same time, Georgia State did an even better job of getting when Georgia State did force them to third down, they got off the field. They did a great job of getting off the field. You hold a team to 40% and under on third down, and I'm sure defensive coordinators are singing your praises. And Georgia State held them to exactly 40%. But it just it it sucks because it just didn't matter. And the the energy of the game just completely shifted after that strip sack in the first in the, in the, the beginning of the second quarter. Because it first wasn't play. Yeah. First play. Literally. Right after they'd moved into Charlotte territory, after getting that turnover on downs. Yeah, you know, and it like the the play you don't even see the most of the play until 
the guys right there bearing it on Darren Granger simply because they were just coming in out of the TV quarter break. That's how quick that that play happened. And it was just, it was one of those things where it was just like a slow moving train wreck that you're like, did, did this happen? Did they actually like start play? And it's, you know, it's really unfortunate. I think you and I, um, you know, we've talked offline and we'll get into that when we talk about the offense, but you, we've, we've had differencing of opinions in terms of the offensive line play. And, you know, this was just one example of, a bad play, but normally the Georgia state defense has been able to pick up the offense when they have plays like that. I think in that quarter specifically, they weren't necessarily able to do that, especially throughout the rest of the game. You know, even from then on, they still just Reynolds just still kind of had his way with them. And that's, that's not something that we've really seen from the defense in this vein. I think, yeah, They've given up, what, 20-something points against South Carolina and then, you know, 35 against UNC. But I felt like there were times when the defense has been faced with an adjustment period and has adjusted, but it kind of never necessarily came as as impactful as we've been expecting it to. Yeah, I mean, I want to characterize it as an off night because it kind of has to be. Because to your point about the performances against South Carolina and UNC – if they played like that against UNC, that would not have been a seven-point loss. That would have been like a 37-point loss. The, 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 there was no getting Reynolds off his mark. Uh, the run defense had some weird fits at times. They gave up a couple of big plays, uh, though that was mostly Charlotte wasn't running a ton because they didn't need to. Uh, but the performance was a lot better in the first two games against better opponents, which is why it's frustrating. And, it, and it's why I do think a lot of it was just focus, mentality, that type of stuff and meeting a team that wanted it more than you did. Because like, I, I don't know what to do with that game. Like I haven't seen them play like that since 2018 when it was a bunch of freshmen who were learning on the job. And a lot of those freshmen are now veterans on this team. And I mean, you talked about the injuries and that's definitely a part of it, especially as the game went on. Like maybe that last drive goes differently. If you've got your Corey Crawford and Blake Carroll and Quay white out there and Antavius lane through the, all of that drive. But, like, the defense wasn't playing good with them on the field. It just, you didn't have them to go to late in the games when you needed guys to make a play. And the other thing that Charlie did offensively, um, I didn't, like, chart out every formation they were doing and who was lining up where, but Antavius Lane is kind of the guy that you say most likely is just going to be, on any given play, he could show up and make a big play for the defense. And they kept having him line up in the slot because Charlotte had three, four receivers out in any given time. They're doing some different shifts. Reynolds, obviously, seeing if it was man or zone on given plays, had a lot of motion throughout the night. And Antavius Lane is a box safety that like, he can cover. It's just not necessarily his strong suit. And it's also, if he's in the slot covering a guy over the middle of the field, but like deep, deep middle, he can't come in and make those type of plays. And if it's a run play, he's taken out of it. And so... I think that they did a good job of neutralizing the one real X factor above all that Georgia State has because the safeties were kind of relegated to just being extra cover people because they liked having all of Tucker and Spencer and DeBose out there for Charlotte. And it worked out for them. And like I said at the start, when they were just having it be quick passes where those guys had a little bit of space, they were doing the rest of the work. And it was making it look really easy. And it was something that they weren't able to do when these teams literally played last year. And so I just, the only like I just go back to like 
I don't think the defense is going to be this week in, week out. They just picked a really bad week for it because Georgia State needed this win. And also just, I don't know that that is even, like, it's so below what it needed to be that it's like, you can't even be like, oh, well, it's an off week. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, you can't feel bad about the performance. Like, it was just not at all the standard that's been set. But as far as, like, projecting the season forward, you just kind of got to hope that there was just something wrong with, the way they approached it and that that can be corrected because like, if it, that is the defense, I mean, I know that it's not a pass heavy league. You've got Georgia Southern and a couple other teams that can do it, but you know, the defense playing like that is not going to win you any games in the Sun Belt unless the offense is just going off like they did. And that's, you know, you don't want to rely on being in shootouts to win games. You need to be able to rely on getting stops. And the sad part is, is we're probably singing a different tune if the defense got one, literally one stop. Just the last one. Yeah. Like I said, we didn't talk about the Furman game anymore. The only reason to talk about the Furman game anymore is because Darren Granger is currently the quarterback. He played in that game. And it's a cute little thing to always refer back to. But like that was almost the exact same situation. Georgia State was up by six again in that game, 48-42. And they forced a three and out, a four and out on that last drive. And there was no drama. They needed out. They won the game. We haven't talked about the game itself other than that Darren played in it because they got the win and you moved on. This one is different. You didn't get the win. You didn't move on. And now you're in a real tricky spot. I mean, you know, we the I looked at the schedule. Um, not that I, I don't think there is a you look at the schedule here and say Georgia State cannot win any of their remaining games. There's so much talent on this team. And, you know, when we get to the offense, we'll talk about, you know, kind of some things that we're seeing on that side of the ball. But they are show they are showcasing not just that they are a good offense, but they are capable of playing like the offense from the bowl game, that level of good offense. And if they lose this week, you're going to need to always play like that. And that's just not it's not an easy thing to do in this league. You know, they looking at the schedule, they still have to go go on the road and play App State. You know, they have to go on the road and play James Madison on the road and play Marshall. It's not an easy thing to do to bring an offense capable of putting up 600 yards of all purpose yards, uh, you know, going at those places. It's, it's a lot easier to do than a bowl game. You know, it's a lot easier to do at home against the team you feel like you should be beating. but. You know, it's just this. It just it just it, there's no relenting with this schedule. So they've got to find a way to do it this week. You know. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of would just recommend in general, and it's kind of how I'm looking at it. Just you've got to do the stock football coach thing. Just be like, be one to know this week. Like focus on this game. Like it's not going to look pretty on the record books, even if they win the next two, because you're still going to be like, oh, they're two and three, whatever. Like. It's not going to be the case that Georgia State's having like the big run out to start the year that they're adding on to the wins it's like 2019 where they started six and two. It, until they put these wins together and actually do it every week after week after week, it's going to be what it is. But I just you got to kind of look at it that way. It's like you got to be coastal this week, and then you got Army next week, and worry about that when you worry about that. And I feel like I've cleared out all the coach speak cliches there. Uh, but it's kind of where you're at and it's not where you wanted to be at. And, you know, bigger picture, 
it's going to be kind of the same year as last year if things start going better. And so you're not going to have learned anything more. You're not going to probably have seen the next step that maybe you were hoping for. Or on the other side of things, it doesn't get better. It's a losing season. You don't go to a bowl. You know, the play on Saturday won't win you that many games. So it might be a real ugly record too when it was supposed to be this big season. And so, you know, those are the different ways it can go. And so you aren't having it play out like Georgia State is front runners and they're looking odds on to win the East. Like it's going to take some time to get to where you're even thinking of any of that stuff. And that's unfortunate. And, you know, the team's going to have to brace with the fact and the coaches have to have to brace with the fact that the team hasn't handled being that, having that label and being front runners well the last two years. Like the season is still, you've got nine games in front of you, so you can still do something. And even if they do turn around and make that bowl game or whatever it ends up being, it might not be the high hopes. It might still rank as a disappointment given what could have been. But it's now two straight years where you're starting out, even against a tough schedule, underperforming what you should have done. And losing this game just shouldn't have factored in at all. Uh, and you know this should but have I, been a game where the mentality was easy. Like you, but I'll stop you. Team. I'll stop you right there because you know they still control their own destiny, and like they do it in a way that's not necessarily as favorable as it otherwise could be. But you know they could be they could get to that two and three mark after next week. Easily could a couple of weeks because there's a bye. Um, I think. Uh, no, they, is there not? Uh, they just don't play Saturday. Ah, uh, so yes, I can't. Like yeah, I can't math. Um, you can leave that in, but cut this out. Um, they could be two and three easily, and obviously, Army. You know, we'll talk Army in a couple of weeks uh, next week, but they easily could go in there. All right, we're Georgia State. We can put this win together. We can have that high-powered offense that we know that we have. Our defense is good. Put a great performance on the field. And then they host Georgia Southern. And from there, you know what? Yes, you still have to go slay the dragon and Boone. You know, Troy couldn't even do that this week. I just, but, I, I feel you like know. you're already a month ahead. And like that, that is, you know, we can't, you don't want to get into that. Like it is not going to be helpful at this point to do that. Like, no, it's your team needs to win one game. George needs absolutely. to play one complete game before absolutely. worrying about playing the draft. I mean, th- thank God App isn't on the schedule this week. Oh, like, legitimately, no. seriously. I just it's I mean, it's still coastal, but it, and that's still gonna be a tough game. But it's a home game at least. I guess you know my overarching point with this is just they didn't play well this week, and this we are hopeful that this is truthfully as bad as it gets because yes, go one and know this week, but the season is still completely in front of them, you know, and we can, we never, we never actually talked about the offense. So we can kind of take a, a moment to kind of step back and say, okay, if you just copy paste this offense and spread it over the remaining nine games, Georgia state's probably going to be in a good spot. Obviously that's easier said than done, but I think there are a lot of similarities with just this week between Coastal's defense and Charlotte's defense in terms of, you know, what Georgia State wants to do, how they like to run their offense, what they've been successful at the last couple of weeks, specifically in the passing game. Uh, Darren's killing it, by the way, for everybody who jumped off the ship after South Carolina. I see you. Darren sees you. 
he he heard you. Uh, but like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I expect Darren to have a a 343 yard performance this week. But how cool was it that he had a 343 yard performance last week? Yeah, and I mean the offense. I've got some quibbles, but we can start with the positives because I, it was a lot of good. And from the start, they were just playing crisp. And it was what you wanted to see because the offense with Charlotte, I guess we weren't really sure. And it turns out that they were better with Reynolds, but we were pretty sure the Charlotte defense wasn't all that good. And Georgia State was able to take advantage of that for a long, a lot of the game. They drove down and scored in their first two drives. Uh, looked really easy doing it. Mixing when it was pass first more than run first. They're having a lot more success passing the ball, which was, I guess, not surprising given Charlotte's numbers, given Charlotte's numbers, but given Georgia State's history, it was a little bit, it was like, oh, look at that disparity so early on. And as the game got on, I think Darren, because he was in a rhythm the whole time, never really got off of it. Um, he got the fumble, which wasn't good, and the interception where he got hit as he threw, affected his throw. Those plays, uh, I feel like he maybe was the least offender in all of them, though, on the strip sack, maybe his internal clock could have gone a little bit faster and realized he needed to do something. Um, it was on his blind side, and so those are the ones you really blame the quarterback least for. But if you want to say anything, maybe he could have been like, it's not there, I need to pull out. Uh, didn't do it. Uh, the fumble happens. And it kind of set the offense off a little bit. I know they went three straight drives without scoring, um, and they were in good field position on a couple of those and just couldn't make it happen. Charlotte took the lead and the offense was scoring enough in spurts that Charlotte kept staying on top, but Georgia state was keeping it as a one possession game. They were matching point for point. Um, and then they got the score at the end that you needed. You saw a lot of good for Marcus Carroll in the second half. Um, yeah. I mean the passing game again, I don't think Charlotte's secondary, um, cover themselves in glory or have done for most of this year. Um, I don't think that Georgia State is going to play a secondary that has as much of a just a issue defending like they did. But at least for one more week, Charlotte has, um, at least for one more week, Coastal has given up a lot of yardage. So it might be something that, yes, Georgia State is going to get tested by a better pass defense coming up soon at some point. But you've seen the growth, and I think you've seen the different layers that Trent McKnight's been able to add as play caller that, there's been a different level of explosiveness. Like it's been since 2016, since you had like a 70 yard pass play, like you had in this game with thrash getting seven to three yarder down to the five yard line that set up what should have been the tying score. I realized we left out one major game event about special teams that we should address at some point, but we can go with the offense again for now. Um, but you're seeing some of that and you're seeing Darren get comfortable and you're seeing the play calling being designed to have him in comfort, you know, in his zone, a lot of rollouts, a lot of easy decisions, and you're seeing it pay off. Chris Bird is basically filling in perfectly for what Aubrey Payne would be offering you because he keeps making plays in the red zone, getting touchdowns in the red zone, and encouraging to see that another person step up at that position. It is. And, you know, I think the the funny thing about stats is they're great at kind of deceiving you. I thought Robert Lewis had a hell of a game. Um, he obviously he finished with three catches for 57 yards. Um, but he, I mean, he was, the, we've talked about the wide receivers being explosive uh, in this podcast 
And I think Lewis and Thrash have done a really good job of finding ways and spots to be explosive. And Thrash and Lewis have found themselves in a really nice groove the last couple of games it's allowed you know jakaius cradle to kind of come in there sneak in i I feel like he had such a quiet great game you know um because he wasn't he wasn't absolutely he wasn't being i think last year when he had those great games he was being that primary deep threat you know and he was being the only one and so when teams shut down that avenue it seemed like okay you put a bottle on cradle but you know cradle also was really kind of operating in that medium to just barely deep space that i think darren has really started to excel in because charlotte was focused so much on not letting jamari thrash beat them because they were so focused on robert lewis um you know, not trying to keep robert lewis from beating them you know if you go back and look at the first quarter Robert Lewis had two touchdowns in the first half. One of them, obviously, he was out of bounds, so that doesn't count as a touchdown. But, I mean, Darren threw a perfect ball. It was just a little bit too far to the left. Um, It was down the left sideline. Robert Lewis's right foot was inbounds, and his left foot was out of bounds. But he caught it in the end zone. He beat his man. I, I didn't see necessarily if it was a go or just what it was, but he ran a great route, got the separation. And I'm glad that he ended up, still getting his touchdown later on. I was worried that he wasn't going to get his touchdown uh, because it took a while, I believe. Um, I don't think he got it for a few quarters. Um, maybe he got it in the first. Uh, but Yeah, he got it in the first. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it was... It, yeah, it was... Um, I don't think it was the next drive, but he's st- he still got it. So, you know, and, and he has played so well. And I think the way that Georgia State has schemed the passing game the last two weeks really gives me a lot of encouragement, especially because I think there's more room for the running game to be better, which feels like an insane thing to say because they've been over 200 yards in every game, except for the first game when they were at 200 yards, you know, and I just, I think there's still some impact in the tank there, but I'm so glad that Granger's connection has been so much better with the receivers because it's, it's been nice to watch it. Like the, the dynamic of the Georgia State offense has continued to expand more and more. And I, I you know, I, and I think one thing that Coastal was probably looking to do this week with the defense that has a secondary that's, you know, a little bit suspect on the back end is they were probably going to want to just stack the box. But if Thrash and Lewis and Cradle and Bird are playing like they have been playing, can't do that. You know, and, you know, the one thing that Charlotte tried to do at the end of the game is they just absolutely I think part of the reason the running backs really got going in the second half, like Marcus Carroll, was Charlotte just absolutely, absolutely refused to put another man in the box. They just really they 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 did not want to do it. They were not going to do it. And, you know, I, I, I think Marcus Carroll credit Marcus Carroll and Tucker Gregg, like they had good games. You know, I don't want to sit here and say. They executed with what the defense was giving them. And, you know, I think the the challenge that Georgia State had to overcome in this game was I don't think the run blocking has been nearly as good as it's been in years past. Um, And we're three games in. And I don't know. I don't know that I want to say it's concerning me because the backs have been so good. They've been very good. 
um, out, after the South Carolina game, like like Georgia State is just the, the Panther Express on the ground is continuing where it left off. But there, I feel like there's so much more that could be happening because there's there have been times where Georgia State has been stuffed on you know third and two, third and three, and you know this is not a team that should be want for picking up three yards on a play. Yeah, and I mean it's just kind of a part of what I was saying, just like not playing winning football, like. If this team is in third and short, just give it to Tucker and he's going to get you, even if it's just the exact yardage you need, move the chains. And there was one play specifically where it cost them. It was after the turnover on downs, it was still 28-27 Charlotte. You got the ball just about in plus territory and you moved into plus territory very soon after. It was third and two and Tucker didn't get it. It was just got a yard, didn't get enough, and they had to punt. Sorry, I had it backwards. This was a different drive where the turnover and downs happened. They were just on their side of the field, so it was early enough in the game that you weren't going to go for it on fourth and one, especially after you just got stuffed. But you know, talking about earlier, just not playing winning football, not stacking things together, they were down one there. They had the ball near midfield, and it was you know their gravy. Like The bread and butter is just getting those short yardage situations. And so, yeah, I agree, and it seems like first world football problems to talk about when you ran for 259 yards that the run game could have been better but it really could have been and it it needs to be like this is a running game that can get to 300 any given day and they could have easily topped 300 and the way that game played out whether Georgia State's nursing a lead or whether Georgia State trying to get back in the game and just needs to rely on the ground game whatever it would have made the difference like they ended at 259 and even if they get like 280 that might have been the measurable difference between the way the game played out or not. Um, and it's just something that, like you say, I don't think they've played their best game as an offensive line in run blocking. I think the pass pros held up decently, but the sacks very loudly went badly. And so they're really exacerbated. But the last two games, I mean, four sacks when you drop back 58 times is not really a bad outcome. Like all things considered, if you're dropping back that much, especially as a team who prides themselves as a run first team. And so the pass pro, like you could understand if the pass pro was the second of the two attributes for your offensive lineman because you're recruiting them to come run it you know, 60, 65% of the time. But I think the pass pro and getting Darren on the roll has done a nice job of having him stay upright. Um, the run blocking, it, it just feels like there's more to come. And I feel like everyone on that offensive line and Coach Elliott included probably feel the same way that just like it's supposed to be the best unit on the field and it hasn't been. and. I, I say that more just as like a, we expect this to be this good. Like this is where the standard has been set and it nece- hasn't necessarily been there and it's cost them in some key situations, cost them on Saturday. And to that, that Tucker point, Tucker Gregg saw a third and two, three times in this game. The one that he missed, they punted. It was a three and out. It was their second drive of the third quarter. They only had two. Yeah, that one, you know, uh, after the turnover on downs. Correct. That three and out on the subsequent Charlotte drive, they scored. And I'm not sitting here to say, oh, if Tucker picks up that fourth, that third down, you know, Georgia State automatically just continues to march down the field and, you know, their defense gets a turnover if they score a touchdown. No, but I keeping Tucker on the field, keeping the offense on the field, it just has an infinite effect on the rest of the game. And this is this is not. Like you can see the real world ramifications of it. 
you had a defense that also couldn't stop Charlotte when they wanted to. You know, they had two drives in the third quarter. Charlotte did a great job of running clock. And it's, it's you know, it's just, it sucks because there have been times, like you said, that, that the winning football just has not been there sometimes so far this year. And, you know, you look at the, you look at the record and say, oh, they haven't won a game. Of course, there's not winning football. But it's just sometimes it's the stuff on the margins that really can turn, you know, your team from being 0-3 and and to being 3-0. and Like this team, I don't think that you could say that they're one play in each game away from being three and oh but it, they easily could be three and oh it's just the the winning mentality just has not been there so far this year well they could be any well you know they could be one and two or two and one and that would be better and the plays were there to be made they were in all of the games and so i understand like the dichotomy between like it's frustrating to be in three games and lose all of them but that at least says that Again, it's not the talent. It wasn't the talent in this game. I think if you line that game up 50 times, Georgia State wins the majority of them handily. They just weren't ready for the game like Charlotte was, and that ended up mattering. And, you know, it's. I guess you could, you just kind of have to hope that you can reset everything and going into this week, everything gets better. Um, uh, the, the other thing we, we need to talk about, uh, kind of in the same category of just like not playing winning football, um, lots of penalties, procedural stuff, personal fouls, stuff that's creeped up. And then the big thing that we haven't talked about yet was just the mixed ex- missed extra point by Michael Hayes that would have made it 21-21 in the first half. And, you know, it's one of those things that it just kept piling on to where in the game, instead of being down seven, you were down eight, so you needed a two-point conversion. And the first time they were down eight and scored a touchdown, they got a penalty on the two-point conversion attempt. And so instead of Going for two at that point to tie it at 28, they just settled for the extra point, stayed a one-score game. Then when Charlotte scored again, you needed to go for two again. They didn't get it. They ended up getting it uh, on the third time was the charm uh, when they took the lead late and it made it a six-point six game. But evidently, six wasn't enough because Charlotte went down, scored a touchdown, and won the game. And it's just, again, it's part of the same part and parcel of just too many of those things are cr- creeping in and it's too good and too veteran a team for that to happen. Um, Not really sure what else to say. Like there's no coaching involved in a 19 yard extra point. Like you just make it or you don't. And it's just about going out and making your kick. And a few of those other things, like there's no, like, yes, you, you drill stuff for like false starts, but it's like a home game. Like you can't have false starts after big plays happen when you're at home and when you've got the momentum going, like you can't get in your own way like that. And it's just been something that's happening too much. And so it's part of it. It's like when teams are playing like this for three weeks, like it is kind of who you are. But the other part of it is like, if they just clean up that stuff, which is all controllable, like this is all stuff that is entirely about just what you go out there and do. If that stuff's gone and the stuff remains, you know, the defensive performance against Charlotte, maybe aside, you're going to be able to go out there and compete with everyone left on the schedule. It's just, you know, that's got to happen. And with this week, it's got to happen just immediately. You just got to wipe the slate clean and do it against Coastal on five days rest. 
penalties have killed Georgia State this year. They it probably comes as no surprise that they lead the conference in penalties, penalties per game, penalty yards, total yards for the penalties. It, and it's it, this is not something that we have seen since Coach Elliott has been here. You know, they're usually around the middle, but it's not this type of stuff. Like correct. penalties happen, and like pass interference. Okay, you get beat. It's better to take the pass interference than to let the guy get a big touchdown. You know, effort stuff that like you're playing hard or you get beat and you're like you can live with those. But the stuff that's entirely of your own making, whether it's post play personal foul stuff that like coach was particularly animated about the one after Thrash's go ahead touchdown. And, you know, it didn't end up mattering all that much because Charlotte only returned it out to the 31. But it again just felt like the thing where it's like you couldn't have three straight good things happen in that game. And it was just like, go ahead, touchdown. Two-point conversion, those are great. Oh, but in the middle, you got a 15-yard penalty. It's going to make your kickoff on the 20 instead of on the 35. It's just like, even in that moment, something had to go wrong. And it's just the way it's been going. And just eminently correctable. Like, it really, there's so many things that it's in football that people on the outside, it just be like, I would simply have caught that ball. That just You sound ridiculous saying stuff like that. But like, it really is as simple as, I simply wouldn't, you know, you simply cannot get that personal foul there. Like that is entirely in your control. False start stuff like that is also, and it's like, if that, if that stuff cleans up, I think that the results, you know, you can be in games and you're not going to shoot yourself in the foot in those games. And if you don't shoot yourself in the foot in those games, you might win those games. But if those hang around, it's going to keep being a noose on this team's neck in 2022. And, you know, like you said, like in Coach Elliott's first three years, they literally led the conference in penalties, like in fewest penalties. And they were really good. And then they kind of sagged back to the middle. But this year, for some reason, it just hasn't been the same. And I uh, I hate what I'm about to say because it sounds like I'm criticizing someone specific when I'm not criticizing someone specific. It's coaching. Like it's it is it needs to be an emphasis that is instilled in the players. And again, I'm not specifically calling anyone out because it's a lot of the penalties. Like Coach Elliott is not saying, okay, guys, let's false start on every play. Let's point and taunt at people. You know, it's, 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 it's not stuff like that where you look at the coaching staff and say, yeah, they need to be better about saying things. There just needs to be an emphasis on it because it is losing Georgia State games right now. And that, to me, is where that is something that needs to be corrected almost immediately because you, I think we have seen that Georgia State can hang with anybody that's on their schedule this year, but they're going to have to start playing more clean football. I'd extend it out to just the general leadership apparatus. Like, you're right. Ultimately, the coaches are the people who shape that the most. But I do think, again, like your seniors, your captains, like they don't want to be going through right now. So they've got to be the ones to say, like, all right, what are we going to do about it? And like, it's going to everything that comes the rest of the way, especially this week when you don't really have time to think about it. You've got two less days. It's going to come from the players and it's just going to have to. And that's the way it's going to be. And to their credit, that's exactly what they did last year. And they turned it around this year. The road is maybe a little less easy to just do that like they were able to do last year. But opportunity is still there. It's just going to be about going into this game and the rest of them hungrier and 
you know, we're just going to have to see how that goes. Next up, Coastal Carolina, 7.30 p.m., flexed to ESPN2 recently, we learned this week. It's going to be a tale of opposing fortunes heading into this game, each team's Sunbelt opener. Georgia State sits at 0-3, while Coastal Carolina has won all three of their first three against Army, Gardner-Webb, and Buffalo all at home. The shots hit the road for the first time in 2022 under head coach Jamie Chadwell, who is 33-19 in his time in Conway. Players to watch out for. Quarterback Grayson McCall and defensive end Josiah Stewart each named the conference's preseason, offensive, and defensive players of the year, respectively. And, of course, this is a homecoming for wide receiver Sam Pinckney, who comes back to Center Park Stadium after transferring to Coastal in the offseason. He leads the Chanticleers with 259 receiving yards on 15 catches with one touchdown. So, gentlemen, shots coming to town for some Thursday night football. What are we looking for? Yeah, I mean, kind of continuing what we were just talking about. I mean, the main thing is just like, this is not going to be a week where you have a lot of time to breathe and be like, okay, this is what went wrong. We've got time to correct it. And that's not really how football seasons work anyway, but especially with the short week, this is just going to be about gut check and response. Like there's things that I'm sure they've gotten had in the works with like, this is how we're going to attack this team and this team and this team. And so I'm, I'm sure they've got wrinkles that they're ready to go with, with Coastal coming in on both sides of the ball. But like it's really just going to be about making the loss that just happened matter and responding because of it and playing better because of it. And, you know, that's just going to be, you know, it's up in the air. We're going to have to see how it goes. And it's going to tell us a lot about this team right now. It's going to tell us a lot about the way the season can go. It is going to be important because, you know, like I said earlier, want to know this week and your season is still all in front of you. I mean, Georgia State plays well at home usually. It's a home game. No one's won a home game in this series at some point that's going to have to give. But, I mean... I would say, no, it doesn't. Like, <laughs> you're right. college sports <laughs> is full of weird oddities. Like, it could be something that goes on for, like, 40 years. I mean, I hope it doesn't, but, like... You're not, you're not wrong. You have to allow for the weirdness of sports that say, there isn't something that says you have to win a home game in this series. No, that's that's very true. Uh, but this is as must win as a game in the month of September can be for the Panthers. And, you know, I, I am so anti must win nomenclatures that that has been well known. But it, it truthfully is. And I, I think. It's also must win for them themselves because it would be very easy for them to be 0 and 4 and check out. You know, I, I think the. The challenge for Georgia State is kind of forgetting last week, forgetting where they've been up until this point in the season. But you also have to kind of forget last year and just not think that it's okay to just want to turn it on, like that it is normal what they did last year and that that should be the expectation. Because you're right, you know, you, you made a comment earlier in the podcast about the the weight of the expectations sort of um for them you know they they're they're not it's clear that they're not used to being where they are in terms of those expectations but at the same time though they're still a good team you know and i think they are in a position to kind of exploit some of coastal's weaknesses you know i think coastal has been an interesting team the last couple of years obviously the results kind of speak for themselves um and i I don't want to sit here and criticize 
them as just a pandemic baby type team. But, you know, I think one thing that Coastal did exceptionally well when in 2020 and last year as well was run the football that really complimented Grayson McCall and they're not as good of a running team this year. They average about 176 per game. You know, part of that could be that they're focusing more on the pass, you know, but they for as talented as McCall has been, you know, they're still kind of middle of the pack in terms of passing yards per game. You know, they're, up there in terms of touchdowns and, you know, McCall's only thrown in one interception, but it's, it's not necessarily the same level of dominance that we've seen from them. And I think that there is a way that Georgia state can exploit that. I think there's definitely a path for Georgia state's defense to come back and say, okay, we're still a good defense. We can still do these things, you know, Coastal's given up four sacks. Georgia State's given up four sacks. You know, and I think I I can't sit there and say that their offensive line is bad because I don't think Georgia State's offensive line is bad, but I can say that Georgia State has the ability to win the game in the line of scrimmage in a in a way I don't think that Coastal necessarily can. And I think Georgia State's ability to contain McCall and win at the line of scrimmage will go a long way into them actually winning the game. Yeah, I mean, again, kind of the same thing I was saying, but just the general team, like the defense specifically has got to, you said like, forget about last week. I don't forget about it. Remember it. Let it be like what pisses you off and gets you out there ready to go because they've got to come out with intensity they didn't have last week or McCall can do to them what Reynolds did to them, but worse. Like McCall is an exceptionally talented quarterback. We know how good Sam Pickney is. It could be a situation that plays out almost exactly the same, except that we've seen Georgia State's defense play a lot better most other weeks in the last three, four seasons. Like I'm willing to believe that last week could have been an aberration for any number of factors. Um, that doesn't have to be the case this week, but. You know, you saw what can go wrong when just it's not locked in. And Grayson McCall is set up to take advantage of that if you let him. So yeah, whether it's different wrinkles in the pass rush, whether it's, you know, confusing him with different coverages, whatever you got to do to get him off his stride, you got to be able to do it out of the gate. Don't let him get into a rhythm because... I mean, the last time these teams played in Center Park Stadium, it got ugly real quick because he was just doing what he wanted to do. Yeah, Offensively, I, like I said, I think that this is another possible chance to take advantage of in the passing game, except that Coastal's got 10 sacks as a unit. You know, Josiah Stewart has one and a half of those, and he's got other guys around him that make plays. And so it's going to be test for the pass protection to keep holding up. Uh, in the run game, I think it's, like I said, you're still waiting for that game where it finishes and you go, yes, they just blocked and ran their best game all year and made all the plays they needed to. And so that goal is still in front of you there. And I mean, I know that everything is down just because of how the last game went and how that couldn't happen. But, you know, just on the balance of how the whole season has gone so far, like I kind of expect it to just be a game and it's going to be about those handful of plays and Georgia State's got to get out of their own way and they've got to make those plays. Um, I honestly think the Sam Pickney thing could have been a distraction, but Georgia state's got too much to think about, to worry about. And like, 
it might be something after the game would be like, oh, hey, how was it? Was it weird lining up next to Sam Pickney on the other side? But like, there's no room for distraction stuff like that at this point. Like, he's just 15 on the other team, and you got to stop him. Oof, I hope nobody gets mad at me when I say this. Um, but I also don't think Georgia State misses him. Um, in terms of the football player, now obviously the, you know, brother in arms, so to speak, they do, you know, that's somebody that some of these guys have been playing with for a few years. And obviously he is a very talented wide receiver. Um, but I think after the news came out that he was transferring, there were people, myself included, who, you know, we questioned, okay, where is Georgia State's deep threat going to be? Where is that, you know, dynamic wide receiver going to come from? And I think through three games, you are definitely seeing that they shouldn't miss a beat necessarily. I, I don't think Jamari Thrash is going to be this level for the rest of the season. It would absolutely be phenomenal if he was. Um, but I, I do think that there is some level of drop that will come. Um, and, I, you know, and I think one thing that we kind of haven't necessarily talked about is drops for Thrash and Lewis have been not egregious, but they have left some production on the table. Um, both of them have dropped not necessarily sure fire touchdowns, but good deep passes that have hit them in the sweet spot that just did not get dropped. And, you know, those are two guys with good speed who could easily make men miss and, you know, get in the end zone. Um, but at the same time, though, I think that you're right. There's not going to be it's not going to be a cold homecoming for Sam Pinckney, um, but Georgia State is not going to miss him. They have the weapons that they need to be able to still, you know, be a good offensive team. And just the last thing that we won't really know about for sure, um, where the defense is at just health-wise. Um, don't think we're going to see Blake Carroll the rest of this year. Um, the rest of them, it didn't really, you know, it wasn't immediately obvious whether it was going to be long-term things, but the short week does make that even harder, that even if someone is pretty okay, but they're not ready to go on Thursday, you know, whether it's Jacory Crawford or Antavius Lane, like it would be losses to not have those guys out there. Um, especially in the game that you have to win and that you know those guys can make impacts. But it's just gonna have to be a thing where that's the case where at least in this circumstance, and this is the only, you know, virtuous thing you can say about injuries, which is there's nothing you can say good about injuries, is going into this game, they're gonna know the status of guys. And so if you know, Jalen Tate's playing every snap at one of the safety positions. He knows it going in and he's been practicing as the one through the week. And, you know, add that into whoever's going to end up playing at the inside linebacker position next to Jordan Benzial. Like the one benefit you have the week after the injury is at least that you are going in instead of halfway through the game, a guy's throwing his helmet on and he's out there. If he's been working with the second team with the third team, whoever, they're going to know going into the game, the status of these guys, they're going to have to be ready. And, you know, it might be a factor because depending on who's ready to go or not, that's a lot of talent missing from a Georgia State defense, a lot of veteran talent, but you're just going to have to roll with it. And you're going to have to hope that next man up is not just a cliche. I think we've now ticked off all the cliches for coaches. We had a must win. We talked about one and oh every week and now next man up. But like and forget where you're at. For, you know, you got to have a short. I didn't say it in as many words, but, you know, you got to have a short memory or whatever. And 
You know, I guess if we're sitting here in their own four and the injuries are ultimately, we can be like, that's what made the difference. Like the defense was hobbled. You'd rather be in that place than another week of talking about false starts, or whatever. But like the fact is, is once you get to 0 3 like this and you're staring at 0 4 and everything's against you, all the excuses you just got to do away with. Like it's just about going out there and doing. And that's just where the team's at. And it's where the team's going to be at for the mis- middle part of the schedule until they kind of right the ship so yeah we'll see how this game plays out should be uh interesting one on national tv on espn2 brady and i will be there as always and you need to be too 7 30 kick in center park stadium thursday night should be a great night for football hope to see you there but yeah that's uh that's all the time we have this week we'll catch you next time but until then have a great week and go panthers <laughs>